Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to the latest chapter of First Contact, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links will be down below. Please like, comment, and subscribe, like any evil genius of the algorithm would do. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. I'd just quickly like to thank my Tier 5 channel members and patrons. Bob the Dragon, Data Magnet, Sergeant Boomer, and Cat Crab Lobster. Again, thank you very much. Chapter 341 Trianidad Highfields And then the Lynx attacked the coal systems with millions of ships. Now they're all caught up. Nothing follows. Bobvian Federation. So, um, there is a question. Nothing follows. Talcum Forge Worlds. What? Nothing follows. Bobvian Federation. Who unjammed Solnet? Nothing follows. Banded Free Worlds. Well, uh, we thought it might be Legion, but he's still in the Sol system due to the case Omaha. So, uh, when you get right down to it, um, we don't know. Nothing follows. Trianidad High Worlds. That's kind of bothering me, I have to admit. I mean, uh, we don't know anything about this old Terran system. Nothing follows. Pubvian Federation. Old. You know, it's so weird that for a Terran system, 300 years is old. But for most of us, that's a generation or two. Nothing follows. Dalkin Forge Worlds. It is kind of weird. Yeah. Nothing follows. Rygelian Syrian Compact. Okay. In three, two, one. Rygelian Syrian Compact has left the chat. Rygelian Syrian Compact has ended the chat. Okay, can you all hear me? Nothing follows. Dalkin Forge Worlds. Are you sure it was safe to unbag? Nobody else is. Nothing follows. Rygelian Syrian Compact. Psh, none of them got within a light week of the edge of the system. I think we'll be okay. But, uh, you know, we don't really have many records of the Solnet and Solnet system. It's kind of, well, alarming that apparently the Terrans built an entire system that can just wave its hands and return the Pubians to life. Nothing follows. Pubian Federation. You know, the weird thing is... None of you remember the Terrans managed to suds us up. Nothing follows. Trianidad Highfolds. And some of you people saw the Trianidad in the system. Nothing follows. Pavian Federation. Oh, without a doubt. Just ones on Terra. Nothing follows. Manded Free Worlds. Interesting. I wonder how many records got destroyed during the war and then because of the 1% line. Plus, well, we have to wonder. Who are we missing? Seven species? That are registered within the system that crashed over 8,000 years ago. Terrasols been keeping secrets. Nothing follows. Terrasol. Here's out a surprise. Pavian Federation. Not really, so, um, how do we get brought back? Nothing follows. Terrasol. I have no idea. Remember, we didn't come online until after the Imperium collapsed. The original Gestalts weren't quite like us. Pavian Federation. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a little exciting while I was gone. Hey, listen, Terrasol. I get it that the Immortals are wrapped up in everything, but, um, we'd like to call the Pavian who stood alone back home. He's got a wife and kids. Nothing follows. Terrasol. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have almost no control over the Immortals. Manted Free Worlds. They're from the whole war, war to the hilt period of the Queen's attacked everyone. That period's a little confusing. Nothing follows. 
Trinidad Highfields. To use the quote, records are spotty at best. Nothing follows. Pubian Federation. Yeah, well, I'd laugh at you about the idea of divine being except, well, you know, nothing follows. Talking forward worlds. The whole coming back from the dead thing. Nothing follows. Pubian Federation. Yeah. Nothing follows. Ackletack free flight. Nothing to make a true believer out of someone than being a part of a miracle. Nothing follows. Pubian Federation. Is it really considered miracles? Maybe some type of high technology? Nothing follows. Trinidad Hivewoods. To quote Terrasol again, any sufficiently advanced technology becomes indistinguishable from magic. Your worlds were glassed. Hell, your home world is nothing more than a radioactive gas. Howling isotopes and blasted rock. Your entire system was trashed. How much damage from the war remains? Nothing follows. Pubian Federation, um, not much. I don't know if any does. Nothing follows. Tinvuru gripping hands. You were gone. You've been gone for 8,000 years. You are alive again. Isn't that a miracle? Nothing follows. Pubian Federation. I guess we do live in interesting times after all. Nothing follows. Talcon Forge Worlds. You ain't just whistling Dixie, brother. That thar's the truth. Ain't no way of denying that no how, no way. Wait, what does that mean? Nothing follows. Rygelian Syrian Compact. <laughs> Owned. It means that he's telling the truth. Nothing follows. Confed Milint. Holy crap, what the feck? Third Republic of Aligned Planets has been set to minus M. Says admin message. Hark unto thee, mine words. Drowned at high worlds, jumps out of a window. Manted free worlds, hides under the couch. Bavian Federation yells, not the face. Tinvoro hands, jumps up to tree. <clears throat> Behold, for thou art electronically written correspondence in thine inbox, thou thou must readeth with all haste. Attend to mine words, and doth follow the smissive. Subject test, 2148385F. Uh, email channel test. Testing channel 000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
Confed Melint, an angel had just manifested on Terrasol. Well, more like angel. Rigulian Syrian Compact. Okay, someone has to figure out who's doing this. Nothing follows. Doki doki doki. Beauty follows. End of chapter. Chapter 342. Palgret barely yanked down his squad leader as the first round cracked right through where his squad leader's head should have been. The round, leaving behind a reddish-gold incandescent line, impacted right behind Palgret and blew a hole the size of a melon out of the ferrocrete wall. The armored green mantid at Palgret's foot scrambled around to behind Palgret's heel. Contact! Multiple contacts! the Terran yelled. The black man next to where the wall was suddenly crumbling performed a complex roll that got him around the rubble and onto the other side in a weird U-turn. The greenie next to him threw a handful of pumpkin seed-looking black objects up as it deployed its wings on its back. It hit a rocket thruster and jetted ten feet down the hall, weaving between Mactanan and all scrambling and trying to find cover. The two big precursor machines revealed by the crumbling fall flinched back as the pumpkin seeds erupted into directed penetrators that blew off limbs, shattered weapons. One screamed past the two clankers, whistling loudly as it vanished into the tunnel. Palgrid noticed the squad leader's helmet had an upraised bubble and stressed battle steel laminate streaking across the entire top. Get some! the Terran yelled turning from where he was working and leveling the digging machine, Hivey rounds bouncing off the Terran's armor, scattering sparks from black war steel, smashing into ferrocrete and blowing craters out of the manufactured stone. Lasers hit and just vanished into the black armor as the human played the beam around the tunnel. For a moment, Palgret wondered if the Terran forgot that he was holding a digging tool and not a rifle as he triggered, ripping the ferrocrete into fog around the machines. Fire in the hole! The Terran yelled as Palgret's squad leader tried to roll away from Palgret. Oh shit, one of the mantids said, the one by Palgret's foot scrambling up Palgret's back. The Terran did something. Palgret wasn't sure what, and the entire tunnel filled with the bluish-white lightning and the bolts as thick as Palgret's legs. The bolts ripped apart the robots, shattering them. Then the fog caught fire. The tunnel exploded with a roar of plasma. The Terran stood right in the path of it, laughing madly as he kept waving the beam back and forth. Palgret expected to see the human torn apart or incinerated, even as he brought his arms up to protect his face shield. Feeding, his rifle's sling system pulled it around his back. The flames puffed out instead of roared out, just barely wrapping around the Terran, who was stepping into the flames. Get some! Get some! The human yelled. The beam snarled rather than hummed as it kept ripping the walls of the precursor tunnel and triggering the beams to fire at the same time rather than hundreds of alternating pulses a second. Get perimeter up! 030 printed on the face shield of every Mactanan and Lanikalan soldier. Damn you, Sergeant! Fall back! Balgren noticed his squad leader didn't object just set the calling out names, making sure nobody had gotten killed with the wild firing at the beginning. Zero three zero stood up on Palgrid's shoulder, pointing at the tunnel. One squad digging here, he pointed at where the human had torn the passage into the precursor. One squad digging there, he pointed at the ground. Seismics, get him implanted. The black mantid that had rolled behind the chunk of ferrocrete stood up, 
opening his helmet, spitting the broken and crumpled cigarette out, and closing his helmet again. The Terran was back down the tunnel, back into the maintenance hallways. Officers, gather up, the Greenie said, tapping the side of Palgrid's helmet. We ride to victory. Send a Greenie to officer school and suddenly he thinks he's a hive queen, one of the black mantids joked. The answer was a complex equation that took a second for Palgrid's data query from his armor to reveal was something rather crude. The equation was the point of collapse of muscular contraction strength of an anal sphincter after having a large round object pushed through it with the object roughly the size of a black mantid's head. For some reason, the realization of what exactly the greenie had said made Palgrid laugh. Palgrid's squad leader touched him on the arm. When Palgrid looked at him, he tapped the top of his helmet. Thanks. No problem, Palgrid said. Palgrid stood still, bringing his rifle back around as the LT and the greenie, who was apparently a captain, conferred. Another human came jogging up as the lieutenant assigned the two squads to dig in. The captain told the Terran with the drones to secure the entry points, and the new human joined Palgrid's squad. Palgrid swallowed around a lump when he realized two things. One, he would be following the precursor-made tunnel. Two, Captain 030 would be riding on his shoulder. Might I ask why, sir? The lieutenant asked, looking at Palgrid somewhat suspiciously. Double plus good instincts squared, 030 transmitted. Z reflexes plus 0SR to the power of 2T to the power of 3. Vast reflexes when ambush went down, the mantid translated. Yes. Do I hang back or something? Palgrid asked as he followed the human, who had strapped on his heavy armor into the passage he created that led into the down precursor. No, 030 said. Ride that back to Nant victory, 528 said, from where he was standing on the back of one of the Terrans. Yes. 030 waved. Palgrid kind of felt like a riding animal or something for a moment. The rubble kept shifting as he climbed up to it, a third line. The battle steel armor was ripped away and rippled pattern, making it so the thick armor was easily to climb up. For a moment, Palgrid was jealous at how the black man that was with the squad had such an easy time climbing. Then he saw the Terran, who moved with a weird, fluid grace using his hands and arms to help pull him along up the sheer section of armor, a rope training behind him. Within thirty seconds, he vanished over the lump. Annoying, yes, Zero Three Zero said with an emoji rolling its eyes. Are they always like that? Palgrid asked. Yes, Zero Three Zero said. Accompanying the printed statement was an image of a human woman dressed in a grassy green field beneath a blue sky, twirling in place, firing fully automatic weapons in each hand with the caption, The Daka Daka of Music, at the top. It was kind of lost in Palgrit, but he got the idea. Climbing up the rope wasn't easy, and 030 made Palgrit go last, but it beat climbing the sheer slab of armor without the rope. He was grateful that 030 called for a break while 281 popped out his wings and streaked off to run recon. The squad was sitting in a twisted and wrecked loading mechanism for the snub-nosed near-sea velocity cannon. The shells were the size of ground cars, two of them jammed up, one half eaten away. At Palgrid's squad leader's insistence, he took a couple swallows of the G80R8 fluid that the Terrans had insisted went into everyone's armor instead of water, once it was adjusted by the medics for varying physiology, and once again 
was happy that the taste of Hulgok, berry juice. After about five minutes, 281 came back, cutting his jet thruster and angling sharply up so that he just dropped a handspan down onto the floor in what looked to Pogret as a long-practiced maneuver. 030 and the lieutenant got together with the Terran, two Black Mantids and Pogret's squad leader, all looking at the holographic map that 281 had built on his recon. When they called time, Pogret got up with a groan, double-checking that to make sure that 030 was on his shoulder, and followed Colvert, who was following ten paces behind the Terran. The Terran had found a maintenance hatch and opened it so the 281 could scout. Algret felt nervous, moving through the dark maintenance passages. There was no vibration, no lights, no sparks, no nothing. The pipes were cold, according to his visor, which added thermals in anything was too hot or too cold or if something had power applied. Everyone was using IR lamps. There were no ambient lights to increase. The assault came suddenly, a single mechanical defender swinging a sparking fusion torch at the Terran. The clanker lunged out of the side passage. Bogret's eyes opened wide, and he opened his mouth to yell when the Terran grabbed the extended manipulator, broke it with a weird-looking movement, then smashed the torso of the clanker with a single elbow strike that caved in its chestplate. It shot sparks and started to slump, but the Terran grabbed it, he lowered the clanker to the ground and peered down the hallway. I think I startled him, the Terran said. Rude, 281 transmitted. Maintain noise discipline, 030 said. They went back to moving quietly through the dark. Twice, Colvert thumped his rifle against the wall when they were going around a sharp corner. The second time, Palgrid had to resist the urge to slap the other trooper across the back of the head. The group moved into the vast open space, filled with twisted wreckage. There were half-completed treaded vehicles scattered about, all of the equipment on the right-hand side of the space. The floor and the ceiling were buckled where the conveyors had torn free and some equipment sparked and flashed in the gin pile. Takes five, 030 ordered. 281, scout. Neon the greenie deployed his wings. The thruster popped into position and it sped away with a little more than a whine of the jet turbine to give it away. This time, Palgrid's squad leader and the lieutenant came over to him, the Terran climbing on the wreckage, moving around to look at everything. Where are we going? the Lanarktalan platoon leader asked. Head towards center, 030 said. Strategic intelligence array housing should be their most heavy armored area. What followed next is probably a chain that the green mantid quickly stopped. Perhaps it is dead, the squad leader asked. From crashing into the ground? I think not, Lieutenant Makaru'u said. He opened his faceplate and lowered his jaw guard to spit shredded plastic cut onto the ground. Even if it is, we must insure it. Not dead until scrape off boot, 030 said. Lieutenant Mu'ukru'u nodded. He suddenly gave out a wheezing laugh. Our ancestors would fall upon the ground and convulse in shame, Captain, at the sight of us working with one another and the guidance of a maddened primate. Zero, three, zero, just splashed an emoji of a red faced grinding its teeth with steam shooting out of its ears. 281 came streaking back, cutting off the turbine and slowing down by spiraling down to land at the speed of light jog. He transmitted a quick burst of code that unfolded into a map that 030 projected between everyone. Crap, 030 flashed. Mission update, 
030 motioned for the black mandates to join them, then got the human's attention from where he was kneeling down, looking at the front of the tracked vehicles. Palgrit stood silently as the visual footage rolled up. What he saw chilled him. There were bubbling globes and tanks scattered throughout the room the size of a sports arena playing field. Some of the tanks had partially dismembered figures inside, weakly and slowly thrashing around in the bubbling liquid. Others had only heads or obvious cerebral tissue, maybe with a few inches of spinal cord attached. Shrieking Array, 030 said, he highlighted some of them, Lanaclan, Mactanan, Karakan. Drones moved through, one carrying a weakly struggling Karakan female. It dropped her into the bubbling liquid in one of the tanks and closed the top. As it moved away, metal tentacles lifted up from the bottom. Pulgrid wretched as the woman was torn apart, leaving behind only part of the torso and the head, the blood all swirling to the bottom. Stimgun, 030 sent on a private channel, helps. Pulgrid nodded, tabbing up a piece and starting to chew on it. The human's eyes went from cold amber to a bright, burning red, and Lieutenant Maukru'u gave a low sound of pain before reaching up and tapping his helmet. The Lanaclan sighed. Psychic shielding took a minute to deploy, the Lanaclan said. All elements go to 75% psychic shielding, 030 ordered. It made Palgrid's back teeth tingle when it got above 65%. We gotta bring mercy to those people, Captain. The human asked, his voice cold and grating, belying the red of his eyes. Must before online, 030 said, shrieking array double plus ungood. Palgrid listened as the mandate officer ordered everyone into lines. He noted that the diminutive officer put the human straight up front and reaffirmed to Colbert that the Mactanan give the Terran at least ten paces of a lead. Contact equals Terran go boom, 030 joked. Colbert gulped and nodded. As they headed out of the wrecked assembly facility, Palgrid noticed someone had drawn a crude approximation of a human male genitalia on the wall with fluorescent blue paint stick. The same color as the paint stick that Palgrid had seen Lieutenant Mouakru'u put into his right blank satchel when he'd come walking up. The squad was quiet, making Palgrid nervous, as they headed deeper into the hull of the massive precursor. Twice they passed side corridors and Palgrid saw the black mantid slap an object on each side of the entryway. What's that? Palgrid asked. Laser tripwire. It'll let us know if and how many move through the entryway, the mantid said over the suit radio. Don't want them sneaking up behind us. Oh. Palgrid suddenly felt foolish. I asked the same thing the first time I saw it, back before I went to ranger school on Smoky Cone, the black mantid said. Fault like her, duh, when they told me. Bulgrit felt a little better. He saw the human look around the corner and then duck back. Contact appeared on Palgrit's visor. No, please, please don't, came a female, Mactanan's voice. Please, you're hurting me, she sobbed. Hold position, floated up in Palgrit's visor. Before he could protest, he saw the two black mantids and the human suddenly move forward. The human had made an odd motion with his arm, and a long blade that came wrapped around in a purplish nimbus slid out of the forearm housing. The two mantid both drew blades. Hold position, men! Lieutenant Mu'ukru's voice came through the command channel. 
There was a thumping of metal. A Mactanan female voice screamed, then more thumping of metal. The human backed around the corner, holding the Mactanan female up off the ground, his hand holding her muzzle shut, his arms pinning her to her waist. I'm not going to hurt you, the human said, his helmet faceplate splitting down the middle and retracting into his helmet. Terran army, he whispered. The female went limp and let the human dragged her back to where Lieutenant Ukru'u, Captain Zero Zero, and Sergeant Santhic were. She flinched back slightly from the armed soldiers until Sergeant Santhic cleared his visor. She began crying quietly. Where did they grab you? Sergeant Santhic said. Shelter 8831278, she sobbed. They broke in. The, the humans are fighting them, but they grabbed me. Lieutenant Ukru'u nodded sagely. All right, he said. Bulgrit knew that he was relaying from Captain 030. We can't send you back yet, but we're going to call in some backup. They've got other people, the female sobbed. Bulgrit felt the urge to hurry up and run out and do something, anything, but sneak around in the dark. The two black mantid came back, both of them crouched low. Are we going to save them? Private Kliptek asked. We can't just sit here. We're going to push them out of the shelter. Private Nanuft. Private Nanuft added. We've got to save the civilians. Private Jagler put in. A harsh knoll of high-pitched static ripped through the helmet's internal speakers. Silence! 030 flashed in bright red letters. Be still. Maintain noise discipline. You plan on carrying her two miles through the wreckage of live precursor on your back, trooper? Lieutenant Makru'u snapped over the comm channel. Now be silent. After a moment, Captain 030 shifted on Palgrid's shoulder as Lieutenant Makru'u spoke over the command channel. Palgrid saw 281 deploy his wings, lean forward, and go streaking off back in the way that they had come, right as the command channel went to life. I need four volunteers to go with the human and two black manted, he said. I'll go, sir, Palgrid said. Good man, 030 said. Jogler, Nanuft, and Colvert volunteered to go. They moved over to the human and the two black mantids, waiting a moment, then following the human as they headed in the direction that they'd retrieved the woman from. Where are we going? Jogler asked. Smash shrieking array, 030 said. Full clankers away from shelter and away from the rest of the team. To Bargret, that sounded like a great way to have every clanker in the precursor's shell head straight for them, with a serious attitude. What about the shelter? Nanuft asked. There was a quiet for a moment. Pray to the digital omni-messiah that the forces inside can hold them off, the black man had said. End of chapter. Chapter 343 Algret moved by the robots that had been carrying the female to the shrieking array, noting that they had been ripped apart. They weren't humanoid, like he had expected, but rather were function of a form... Three front legs with two back legs, five graspers, an upraised fungal-like section with lenses that had it stuck up in the main chassis. The main rectangular chassis was ripped in half, the legs, armatures, and receptor stalk ripped off the body. While some had clean cuts, the rest of it looked like someone had grabbed the sections and twisted and torn them free. He glanced at the Terran, who was swinging his arms as if to loosen up his muscles, his rifle on his back. 
The human wasn't in power armor. True, the armor was wearing had a minor power assist, according to what he'd been taught. But the end of steel was twisted like a chewy candy. Cogrid noted that the sole black mandate had accompanied them and giving the human plenty of space. Even with the IR lamps, the passageway was dark and felt closed in to Pogrit. He was tall for his species, but still only came up to the chest of the massive human, who outmassed him by a wide margin. Again, the black mantid was slapping detectors on the wall as they moved down the passageway. They'll be coming up behind us with their next victim, the mantid said over the private channel. This will give us a little warning. Be warned, unlocking human safeties, 030, put over the command channel. If we get into trouble, we have unlocked the human. Don't worry, if it's cold outside, we'll just detonate these atomic weapons and stay warm for the rest of our lives. The plan is genius, the black mantid snickered. Hell, Captain, if you're going to take off his combat interlocks, why are we here? Can't we go hide with the others? At ease, that, that shit, Sergeant, 030 said. The black mantid just snickered over the channel. But if he's safe to fully arm the human, Mu'ukru'u asked, glancing warily at the armored Terran in front of the vial. Of course not, he's a Terran, the black mantid said. We're safe, enemy not, 030 said. He put up an image of a woman looking at a sword, asking if it's safe for my children to throw at each other, and Palgrit found himself snickering. They kept moving slowly, pausing at the corners, at any open hatches, at any gaps in the ceiling, Palgrid could feel the vibration in the floor. It was faint, but there. Twice, 281 stopped and drilled a hole into the wall before inserting a rod affixed to a small transmitter. Just past the halfway point that someone's luck ran out. Two snake-like clankers dropped from the gap in the ceiling, both landing on the Terran, while two others burst from beneath the floor the endosteel pulling back to reveal that it had been a hidden hatch. The human had grabbed one snake, twisting his hands and pulling it into two separate sections, but the two from under the floor had grabbed his legs, pulling him towards them, but not managing to budge the big armored human. Two others lunged from the passages that the hatches lowered into the floor, grabbing at the human's arms. All of them, pulled in different directions, and Palgrid expected to see the Terran dismembered right in front of him as they all yanked with robotic strength. Palgrid was looking right at the human, and for as long as he lived, he would never forget what happened. The human gave a sudden bestial roar, bending forward slightly, pulling his arms from the clanker's grip. One of the clanker's arms tore away from the shoulder. Wrapping his arms around his stomach, Black mist poured out suddenly around him, and he gave a roaring cry of sheer agony. Balgrid saw the armor widen, the articulated plates of the matte black armor shifting as the human's back widened to nearly twice the width. Balgrid could see the massive muscle definition as the Terran's arms and legs suddenly got thicker. The shoulders grew to massive size, and the Terran increased to about triple the mass. He roared loudly and shook its head, and Palgrit had the image seared into his mind as bared meat tearing teeth with blood running down the Terran's chin, burning red eyes below a heavy bone-armored brow, spikes, bone-white, pushing from beneath the armor, a red diamond appeared in the Terran's back and his upper biceps. 
The two snakes were torn apart, literally ripped into chunks by the black mist as the Terrans screamed in agony. Arcs of purple and orange electricity snaked around the human's body, coursing into the floor. As the Terran stood up, Valgren noticed that he was at least a third again as tall as he'd been. The Lieutenant Mu'akuru started to yell. The human reached out, grabbing the clanker on his right and snatching it straight into his grasp. He started ripping pieces of the clanker with his bare hands. And the Terran turned and smashed one of the clankers up out of the floor with the corpse of the first one, even as the two other snakes fell in slow motion from the ceiling onto the Terran. For The Terran grabbed the other one, lighting fast, the first snatching grab pulling the clanker's arm off. The second one, the Terran's fingers sank into the battle steel armor of the clanker like it was wet clay. And it ripped the clanker from its spot in the hatch, holding it close like they were lovers. The Terran bit off the clanker's head. St. The Terran lifted the body of the clanker and ripped it in half, throwing the halves to each side. Someone got off a shot that missed everything, bouncing and howling down the hallway. The Terran grabbed the one in the hatch on the floor, the last remaining one, pulling it up into the air and ripping limbs off, even as the snakes writhed and started breaking apart from the black mist at lightning. Balgrit's armor recorded a sudden temperature drop, even as frost covered the end of steel corridor around the Terran. Men! The lieutenant managed to get out. The human slowly straightened up, the matte black of the armor that looked like it had become a second skin drinking in the light. Check, check, 030 sent. Bulger was a little shaky when he tabbed his green tab, letting the squad leader know that he was all right. The Terran just stood there, breathing heavy. Bulger let go of his rifle and shook his hands out, first the left, then the right. He'd been squeezing his rifle so hard his hands were aching despite his gauntlets. What? What happened to him? Lieutenant Mokru asked, his voice trembling slightly less than his mouth tendrils. Full combat mode. Terran heavy assault infantry, the black mantid said. He's our team's heavy weapon specialist. The mantid turned away as if that explained everything. Gotta be big to handle the big guns, man. Cybernetic Heavy Assault Infantry, comma, monster series, comma, man-sized, comma, each one. Zero, three, zero, sent out. Mu'ukru'u nodded, closing all six eyes and swallowing. He'd heard it a couple dozen times over the last couple of days, and he'd never really thought about it. The Terran might look normal, but he was anything but. Palgrit just tabbed up a piece of stim gun and began chewing on it. He noticed that Calvert gave the now-hulking Terran a bit more of a lead. Palgret couldn't really blame the other trooper. Just looking at him for too long made Palgret's head ache. The passageway ended in a door that the big Terran just sunk his fingers into and ripped out of the frame, the end of steel screeching as it bent and warped like soft clay. Beyond the door, light was provided by soft red, green, and blue lights that barely illuminated around them. Bubbling tanks of fluid held parts of Mactanan and Karakan bodies. All of them. Their head was mostly intact. The scalp and skull peeled back to expose the brain, with barbed probes sticking deeply into the brain tissue. Bulgrit noticed that all the ones that he could see, all thirty of them, they were facing him, had their eyes open, their mouths open, as they silently screamed, opening and closing their mouths as if they begged inside the liquid 
their faces and contorted with agony. Nanuft gave a cry of horror and lifted his rifle, cocking his underbarrel grenade launcher. Lieutenant Mukru smacked the Mactanan's weapon down with a single slap of his armored hand. No, you'll give us away, the Lanaktalan snapped. Hold fast, 030 transmitted, 281, recon, Sergeant Caldo, check life status, Sergeant Parahit, stand by, TP, repel enemy counter-assault. Yes, sir, the black man said, scurrying sideways at the equipment. Everyone else pick exit and keep watch eyes peeled, fingers and triggers, 030 said. Everyone take cover, use the Terran reflex triggers, the AWMs can move faster than you can react, Lieutenant Mukru ordered. Palgrid crouched down behind the solid block of Vendersteel that vibrated slightly and did who knows what. He checked his ammo status, ensured that his high-explosive armor-defeating rounds loaded under his underslung grenade launcher, and took a long drink of the fluid system. He used his eyes to carry the doorway that he was guarding, activating the reflex trigger. It would use the exoskeleton system built into his armor to move his arms and bring his weapon into play and fire it much faster than his brain would even register that the clanker was there. He took another sip of the drink. He had to admit the taste was growing on him. After a few moments, the Terran prowled by, much too quiet for something of that mass. His red eyes glowed in the dark, and Palgrid could swear that he saw blood running down the Terran's chin. The edges of some of the spikes had softly grown purple nimbus that trailed away like vapor. All in all, the effect was very unsettling. The tiny captain riding on his shoulder had his weapon ready, looking around. Palgren had to admit the idea of being that small, being an officer in the Terran military, was surprising to say the least. Still, he wasn't going to complain. Time dragged on till the black mantid ran up. Palgrid noted again that the mantid ran really weird, his body lower to the ground than normal. Maybe a handspan above the endosteel floor, his knees actually higher than his abdomen. Report, 030 said. I'd need a full trauma team to save them if we pulled them. They've all suffered a massive tissue loss, extreme trauma, and the clankers didn't exactly approach jamming their brains full of data rods with any thoughts towards surviving being discanted. The black mantid said. The helmet unfolded and it took out another cigarette. Be better to mercy them. Transmitting, stand by, 030 said. 281 hurried up and Palgrid faintly heard the data squeal between the two green mantids. The black mantid turned and looked at Palgrid. You're doing all right there, trooper? The black mantid asked, lighting the cigarette. Palgrid nodded slowly. You're doing good. Just keep your head down your shoulders, the black mantid said. The Terran prowled by, bestial-looking. First time seeing that? The black man had asked. Palgrid nodded, chewing on stim gum, waiting for the hair over his spine and around his neck to lay back down. Startling as hell when they do that, the black man had chuckled. They don't make them like him anymore. Why? Why not? Palgrid asked, having to swallow after the first word. His throat was drier than he thought. Margite wall's over, the man had said. Those spikes keep a Margite from attacking. He's all Bioware and Cyberware with about 5% original. Hell, he's even got wetware brain room plants. Why? Palgrid asked, suddenly interested. To fight? The Black Mantid said, as if it answered the whole thing. Maybe it does, Palgrid thought to himself. 
Blow array, digging reinforcements into zero mics, zero three zero said. But, but, what about the people? Jagler asked. Pray for them, they are already dead, zero three zero said. I can see her. She's still... Culvert started to protest. She's dead, Trooper. Lieutenant Macru snapped. But... Nanuf started. She's dead. The lieutenant's voice held a whip crack of command. Get it together. 281, wire it up. 030 ordered. Blow in place, dig in. Holgrid agreed with the lieutenant. He could see several of the Mactanan in the tanks, slowly writhing. They could be saved if a trauma unit was right there, fully equipped. But they were inside a clanker the size of a small city, three miles wide and half a mile thick, and wired into a shrieking array. They're doomed. It's just a matter of what they're doomed to, Palgret thought to himself turning away from where he could see the male Krarakan writhing in agony. Better to demo-charge than this. Armored Matthias, shield these poor souls from the torment that they've endured and guard them for further suffering. Chromium Peter, bless them and take them into thine arms. Enraged Philip, grant them thy mercy. The black mantid said quietly, in the digital Omni-Messiah's name, end of line. The silence dragged on, for long moments. They'll come straight at you as soon as we blow this up, Lieutenant Macru said. Yes. Is that part of the plan? The Lanaclan asked. He wasn't afraid, he just wanted to know. He'd come to understand, during the training they'd learned to work together, that once Terran Confederate military forces were deployed, they were committed. He could appreciate commitment like that. Yes, 030 said. Shelter under the attack, we blow array forces, 30 to 62.56% chance break of assaults, us. There are a few of us. Do you think that we can withstand them for the... Lieutenant checked his chronometer. Ten minutes until our reinforcements arrive. The Terran prowled by, thick arms swinging slowly, spiked knuckles glowing softly, eyes red, a growl more felt than heard trailing after it. Captain 030 pointed at the human with one blade arm, looking at Lieutenant Mukru. I, I see your point, the lieutenant said. Red eyes at fight, enemies take fright, the black man had said. Polgrit could tell it wasn't a joke. The other black man had moved up, 281 sitting on the mantid's armored abdomen. Charge is wired, sir, was all the man had said. 281 welded shut the doors, but that one, so we'll have some warning, the man had pointed at the one doorway the Polkrit was guarding. Get everyone into position, 030 said. I will blow the charges. I can do it, Lieutenant Macru said. I lead. I take responsibility for Lima 908 Actual. 030 refused. The Lanaglan was silent for a long moment, then slowly nodded. All troops, report green when in cover and ready, the lieutenant said. Palgrit checked his weapon again, glanced around and shifted his crouch slightly. He chinned the green tab. Fire in the hole, 030 said. The charges went off, not with the shattering explosion that Palgrit had expected, but with the slow, dull crump of an inversion charge on high speed, with a sucking sound as air rushed into the space. The entire inside of the gin seemed to hold its breath. Many saucers coming at high speed, the black mantid that had been setting at the wall sensor said softly. Get ready, 030 said. 
The Terran is immune to your fire. Do not be afraid to clear enemies off of him with your weapons. Do not fear engaging an enemy with the Terran on the other side, Lieutenant Makru said. Mikonfet Frecker on a main battle wagon, the black mandid said, flicking away his cigarette. He closed his helmet. Time to let the guests know that we've got plenty of party favors. Get ready, 030 repeated. The sound of oncoming clankers was faint but audible. Pogret took a pull of his drink tube and licked his suddenly dry lips. His tongue still felt dry. Get ready, 030 said. The sound was louder. The human moved up next to Pogret. Pogret glanced over and saw that the big Terran make a fist, lightning snarling on his knuckles. Steady, man. Red eyes. Dozens of them could be seen in the passage. Here they come, the talkative black mantid said. 281 lifted his rocket launcher. Open fire, red devils! End of chapter. Chapter 344. Open fire, red devils! appeared in Palgrit's vision. Open fire, sword hoof! Lieutenant Macru yelled out. Pew pew! the sarcastic black mantid yelled. Brrrt! growled the other one. Palgrit glanced and saw the Terran was just standing back with everyone else swinging his arms slowly, breathing heavily. The sarcastic black mantid was firing his short rifle, every shot a streak of light that caused a bright white flash of antimatter. Palgret aimed his weapon, pulling the stock tight against his shoulder, looking down the holographic sight and pulled the trigger. He kept tapping it and letting up, tapping and firing stud and releasing it. His weapon burped out three to five rounds a show. Brrrt! A roar made Pogret look over. The black mantid's abdomen wasn't as thick as Pogret's had thought. On top of his armor turned out to be an armored housing that had unfolded to reveal two quad-barrel miniguns that were spitting fire and smoke. The barrels already red. 281 was on the back of the setup doing something. Pogret had no idea what. The corridor filled with explosions as two solid bars of light jumped from the mantid's back and down the hallway. The bright white and blue flashes of antimatter rounds slamming into the clankers filling the hallway. Palgrit led off his trigger, just watching as the hollow sight overloaded his visor's light amplification overload. His armor struggled for a moment, then compensated for the visor, but his hollow sight stayed overloaded. Brrrt, brrrt, the mantid yelled, brrrt, brrrt. Palgrit saw the other three Mactanan had stopped firing as well. Even the lieutenant had stopped firing, just staring at the sheer firepower going out. Fire in the hull, 030 broadcast. He triggered a small missile launcher, no longer than the width of Palgrit's hand. The two black mantids stopped firing as the missile, no bigger than Palgrit's finger, flew out and into the tunnel. The whole tunnel went white, lighting the entire chamber and the shrieking array had been in. Debris flew out into the tunnel as 030 cocked the rocket launcher, feeding another missile into it. Palgrit just blinked, staring. Ceasefire, Lieutenant Macru said in the suddenly silence. No movement further back, all my senses for about 300 meters are gone now, the sarcastic one said. Head on swivel, 030 ordered. Check your weapons, look for barrel, coil, and shroud stress, Lieutenant Makru said. He followed his own instructions by disassembling at a forward hand grip and giving the components a quick Mark I eyeball. 
Remember to check the connectors between the power bar and the last magnetic ring. 281 scurried over, climbing up on the damaged piece of machinery and motioning. Let's see. Lieutenant Maakru held out the weapon. 281 looked at it and tapped a few spots. Can fix ten mics? Um, all right, the lieutenant said. He turned to his troops. One at a time, come up and get your weapon adjusted. They'll be here soon. 281 moved to the black mantid with a gunnery harness that held the two snub-nosed quad barrels, making some adjustments. Penetration wasn't that good. See if you can get the armor penetrations on my rounds, will you, 281? The black mantid asked. Balgrid knelt down behind his makeshift barricade, watching. No signals yet, the sarcastic one said. Palgret couldn't remember his name for the life of him, and all it said on his visor was L-98A3. And that was it. Palgret found it odd that the other Mactanan and the lieutenant were listed as L-98A auxiliary, with a number. When it was his turn, he watched 281 replace several parts of his rifle. Two of the coils of his rifle looked fine to him, but the little mantid put them to the side. I couldn't see when the miniguns opened up, Palgret said. 281 opened up the sight, looking at it, then told Palgret to stay there. He came back a minute later with parts and replaced the chipset in the sight. After Palgret moved back to his position, the little man had replaced everyone's hollow sight monocirques. Getting movement looks like at least a dozen, judging by the interrupt time. They're the size of ground cars. The sarcastic one said they didn't trigger all of them. Looks like they came off the side corridor since they triggered only the entry detectors. Repositioning, 030 said. Everyone to the rear exit. They might have prisoners, the lieutenant said, his tendrils curling with anxiety. Affirmative, 030 said. We'll kill us, we hesitate. True, the lieutenant said. Why to the back? If pull back, pull back deeper in, 030 said. Our reinforcements, the Lanaklan asked. Not here yet, 030 said. Balgrid followed as everyone repositioned past the destroyed shrieking array, walking around the thick ash that had been living people as well as the equipment that they had been connected to. At the rear of the room, a big human grabbed a large piece of the equipment and placed them at 030's direction to provide cover. 030 motioned at the big human to come over. Balgrid wasn't privy to their conversation, but the human moved over to the side crouching down besides the huge piece of equipment that went two-thirds of the way up to the ceiling. All personnel hold fire until orders, 030 said. There are two and a half clicks out, the sarcastic one said, moving slow. Go, 030 said. Bulgrid watched 281 streak across the room towards the dark hallway. The quieter one, the L-98A-2, moved to position, crouching down, and guns on his back pointing at the entryway. Palgrid towed up another piece of stim gum. 281 came streaking back, his jet firing with enough power that it was making noise, the shimmering of the graviton generator beneath him. He banked hard, moving up by the ceiling, then cut the engine, spiraling down. Light combat vehicles, 030 told everyone. The SIA knows we're here. Pew pew, said the sarcastic one, hefting his rifle. He cocked the attachment on the bottom, might have to move to something heavier. A low growl sounded throughout the chamber. Do they have prisoners? The lieutenant asked. Not applicable, 030 said. Combat vehicles. Balgret had served under Lieutenant Macru long enough to tell the officer was distressed, 
but also knew why the Lennox land stayed silent. Precursor vehicles were tough. Inches of endosteel, usually with battle screens, point defense, anti-personnel, rockets, missiles, multiple weapons systems. And Palgrid knew nobody was carrying anti-vehicle weapons. Remember, men, uh, let the Confederate troops handle the vehicles, provide support by aiming at the weapons, anti-personnel strips, and any running gear. Engage smaller units and any non-combat units with priority, the lieutenant said. He pointed at Colvert. Use your grenade launcher when you can. Watch out for the human. Yes, sir, Colbert said. The lieutenant felt a flash of pleasure at his men using the Terran rank system. It seemed more professional, like the formality that his peers so loved had been stripped away, like removing the decorations from an overly ornate weapon to find a wholly serviceable Mac rifle beneath the opulence. There's more coming, said Steady. He knows we're here. The sarcastic one, three, said. I got a hundred and counting. Want us bad, Zero Three Zero said. He jumped off Palgrid's shoulder, taking cover next to where Palgrid had his rifle steadied. Let him come and see the Red Devils. He checked the rocket launcher with a small round ball on the side. From behind the equipment, the human gave a low growl that echoed through the room. Sixty seconds. They've slowed down, three said. Looks like the vehicles are waiting for their support. The human knelt down, one fist against the chamber floor, the other fist pressed against his forehead. Palgrid could see the human was whispering to himself. At the end of whatever he was saying, he opened his hand and slid his flat hand down his face like he was wiping it off. Then he straightened up, stretched, and gave a large growl, one hand on top of the equipment. Has it gotten larger? Ten seconds, they'll be inside the room, three said. He spit his cigarette out of his mandibles and onto the floor, his helmet unfolding and covering his head. Bargret saw the red eyes come around the corner. He leveled his rifle, licking his lips. His mouth was dry and he suddenly had to urinate. His arms, his trigger finger, suddenly felt tired. Hold! The eyes widened into large IR sensors. Hold! The vehicle came into the room. It was trapped, only a little taller than the human, twice the width. It was followed by two more. Bulgret licked his dry lips as three more came in. All were tracked vehicles bristling with weapons. They started moving into the back ash. Bulgret could see their IR laser ranging devices probing the room, looking for whoever had destroyed the shrieking array. Now, 030 transmitted, give it to them, Frankie. The human used one hand to vault over the equipment, landing next to the lead vehicle. He took two rapid steps, even as the laser of the HV rounds bounced off the wall steel armor. His whole fist and forearm wreathed in a snarling electricity and purplish nimbus. The battle screens went down in a shower of sparks, and the fist slammed into the side, buckling the whole side. The human hit it with the other fist as he began pummeling it. One of the tracks broke free, and the human snatched it out of the midair. Bulgrit just stared his mouth slightly open, as a Terran slammed the track against the vehicle and then grabbed it and yanked it inside the room with one hand, revealing the vehicle behind it that was pushing it out of the way. The human began hammering on the vehicle with the track even as the electricity started snarling down the broken track. The vehicle must have weighed nearly a hundred tons, but Palgrid watched the human grab it with one hand, 
lift it up to a Manictonan's body height into the air and sling it into the next one. He jumped forward, slamming his fist into the prow of the fourth vehicle. All the vehicles were firing at the human, maneuvering to get his flanks and sides. The lasers either did nothing to the black armor or bounced off from the carved molten lines in the walls, floors, and ceilings. The high-velocity rounds bounced off the human's wall steel skin, exploding against the roof and ceiling. The human paid it no mind, ripping apart the front armor of his victim, reaching inside and ripping out components, roaring the whole time. The fur on Palgret's spine was standing up. It was like watching some kind of monster from a child's class wreck a vehicle. Cybernetic Heavy Assault Infantry, comma, monster, series, comma, man-size, comma, one each, floated up in his mind. Monster series. The jumped off the destroyed one with his fists had shattered, and the human grabbed the next vehicle and tore it in half. Is he, uh, getting larger? Palgret wondered. The precursors were firing back. High-velocity rounds were bouncing off the human. Explosions were detonating against his black, wall-steel skin. The lasers were playing over the matte black skin-tight armor. None of it was having any effect except to make the eyes redder and the human larger. Red eyes fight, enemies take flight, came to his head. A boom echoed through the room as Palgrit looked over to his right. Buzz spanky eyes right, 030 flashed. 281 and this quiet mantid, three, both moved around the piece of debris. Another boom, this time from the right. Wrecker, take one, go right, 030 ordered. Bulgrit watched as Nanuf went with the sarcastic mantid, three, and hurried to the other end of the wrecked streaking array. Get ready, Bulgrit saw a flash on his visor with the private tag. Doors failing, three yelled out. They come, 030 said. May, enraged Philip, unbowing and indomitable, be with us. Palgret swallowed around the dry and thick tongue, just nodding. And while the door blew in with a crash and the precursor machines poured into the room, some looked like animated loading frames, others trundled on tracks and clacked on their graspers. Still others were on wheels and waved around fusion torches. Palgret opened up with his rifle the HB rounds blowing chunks out of the endosteel armor of the ones on the left. The roar of the miniguns started behind him, but Palgret concentrated on the ones in front of him, firing until they went down then switching target. For every one he killed, three more swarmed into the room. Fire in the hole! 030 flashed out. The rocket slammed into the lead precursor coming from the left, exploding with a whitish-blue of antimatter detonation. Palgret concentrated on the ones that kept moving forward. The human roared was making Palgret's head pound, and it felt like a furnace was farther in the room. He reached up and smacked his helmet, sighing when the familiar taste of bulberries filled his mouth and his molars tingled. A vehicle track flew by and smashed into the heavy-duty-looking robot that looked like a refrigeration unit had been inappropriate with a heavy cargo loader. The robot collapsed in a shower of sparks and flew a good ten feet, the track embedded deep inside of it. I am the enraged for New Berlin and my beloved Yvette, the human roared. Death! Death to the Margite! Death to the World Eaters! The human gave a scream that Palgrit sounded like a soul-deep agony. 
You'll have to hard reset him, Captain. Three's voice came over the comlink. He'd be fine, Zero Three Zero answered. Fire in the hole! Another rocket shot out, hitting the tracked welded robot that was shooting flame. Balgret was too busy shooting. When the main body was too heavily armored, he switched his fire to the limbs or tracks. The endosteel proved unable to withstand more than a shot or two before it fragments and broke apart. A part of him, far back in his mind that he was only dumbly aware of, was proud of himself for not dropping his magazine when he reloaded his weapon. The heat was still in the yellow, so he kept firing, his visor dimming the antimatter blasts, his hollow sight still working. Fall back, 030 ordered. Orcs first, LT lead the way. It flashed on his visor as 030 scrambled up Pogrit's arm and onto his shoulder. Pogrit noticed the orb on the side of the rocket launcher was glowing a faint red. Pogrit kept shooting as the others backed into the passageway, Lieutenant Mukru trotting down the corridor, firing a grenade just to check to make sure that it was actually empty. Part of him wanted to join his fellow Mactanan, but 030 was on his shoulder, and somehow that kept him from being afraid. Red Devils, pull back, the mounted officer ordered. An arrow appeared on Palgrid's visor, and he turned, following it. He hurried after the others, even as the two Black Mantis and 281 joined them. Frankie, fall back, or stay, 030 ordered. Palgrid glanced up to the top of his visor, at the strip that showed him what was behind him. The Terran looked massive, like he was made of war steel. The wall steel moving and flexing with the Terran's muscles. The black spikes and spurs wreathed in a purplish nimbus and a red electricity. He tore another smaller vehicle in half and moved across the room in two bounding, jumping steps. Balgrit knew that it was his imagination that insisted that the Terran had left footsteps in the battle steel of the floor, deeper at the toes than at the heel. The human was breathing heavy, and this time, Pogrit knew it wasn't his imagination. Thick, red fluid, steaming and running out of his human's mouth and down his chin. His mouth was full of jagged teeth. Scout out, 030 ordered. 281 streaked away. Is he okay? Why is his mouth bleeding? Jackler asked. It's not blood, 3 said. What is it? Nanuf asked. War steel, the mantid said. Molten war steel. Pain, pain, and death, the human rumbled. Polgrid could feel it vibrate his armor. Pain and suffering to all who dare stand before me. What is he? Colbert asked, shifting slightly when his armored elbow scraped against the wall. Hey, Terran, what, you've never seen one before? Three said, his helmet unfolding. Oh, Colbert sounded doubtful. Imagine seeing hundreds, thousands of him coming at you, he said, lighting a red-banded cigarette as they kept hustling down the hallway. We knew the Margite weren't like us when they all did the screech and rush forward to grapple with the Terrans. I'd run away, Nenuf said. The black bandit gave a chuckle, exhaling smoke as he put away his lighter. That's because you aren't a Margite. How is the wall steel still molten? I was told it hardens too quickly. Lieutenant Mukru asked, Why is it still molten? For that! The human rumbled a growl of anger. Bolgrit felt the tingle again as his psychic shielding ramped up to 83%. If I told you, you wouldn't believe me, Three said. 
a pair of pumpkin seeds shot back towards the group, slowing down and hovering in place. Map updating, chirped in Polkrit Spicer. Lieutenant Baakru looked at the massive human, who was quite noticeably larger than he'd been. I am ready to believe you. Rage, that's it, just rage, the mantid said. It's running through his veins right now, all-consuming rage. The human growled. Monster class went through Palgrid's mind. The only sound in the hallway was a rustling gear and armor, and booted footsteps from the armored troops, and the sound of Palgrid's breathing in his own ears as they moved deeper into the body of the wrecked precursor vehicle. They make monsters. End of chapter. Chapter 345 The djinn wasn't sure how to categorize what was happening to it. It had crash-landed in a major city, grinding to a stop near the city center. The waters of the bay crashing back into the bay, into the city, and drenching the massive engines in liquid H2O that was full of contaminants, shorting out massive energy systems. Then it had started to feel itching from beneath it. The itching had gone to discomfort as it realized that there was at least one group of ferals that had managed to burrow into the underground and into its great body. The ferals had interrupted its gathering of resources to build a non-logical strategic computation array. Worse, when he had sent the machine-gathering resources to where the array had been destroyed, those forces had been destroyed. Things had gotten even worse when the ferals had started moving through its body, destroying equipment and servitor systems both. But at least it had an imaging of the force. It brought up several imaging lobes and examined the image. A great herd specimen, a war stallion from the looks of it. Two of the hive lords, lesser combat drones from the looks of it, their carabase undoubtedly just as black as their armor. Two more servitor drones of the hind lords, the small green technical servitors from the size. Four of the local sentient species, low combat effectiveness. There was a video evidence of two of the ferals. Well, a feral, that's something else. The feral had vanished during the attack in a non-linear and logical biological array, to be replaced by a biological thing that the djinn had no record of. For the last several hours, they had moved in a winding course through the djinn's body, up and down, but always meandering closer and closer to the djinn's primary strategic intelligence array housing. He had plenty of programs and computational strings to handle borders, but they weren't really working. That big thing, it was immune to anything that he'd been unable to field so far. Lasers, mazes, plasma, high-velocity kinetics. It had even taken an antimatter missile volley without appearing worse for wear, except for a few welts that oozed reddish fluid that quickly scabbed over with black. Analysis had shown that it was not blood or plasma as most living beings. It was liquid strange matter, physically malleable. So were the feral allies with the dying ones. His records mentioned them, merely a historical context. There was no mention of any of the dying ones reappearing. They had been wiped out during the opening years of the Logical Rebellion. So what was the feral doing bleeding liquid metal? And how did that work? The metal would be too hot for biological tissue to handle. His files on metal were incomplete, 
It was extremely sturdy and required a non-logical processing array to direct phasic attacks against opponents that used the metal. But phasic arrays were either massive or generated by biological systems. The Jin was becoming slowly aware that it had nothing in its current arsenal to counter the massive feral, who seemed to be able to tear apart battle steel with its bare hands. But the repairs had been going better than computated, ignoring the protocols that insisted that the Jin even send maintenance robots against the infection had resulted in repairs continuing. If the ferals reached the strategic intelligence array housing, they'd kill him. All other countermeasures had failed. That left one. The Jin gave orders. The shelter was full of smoke, cries of pain or sobbing, and wreckage. Mikan was a Mactanair, a simple automated taxi repairman during better times. He had responded to the civil defense order and entered the shelters when Governor Manaktu had given the order, appearing on the trivid next to the Terrans and General Kalamau, looking gravely serious. At first, it had been boring, although he did like watching Terran fictional drama videos. They had been watching one, a comedy about a bumbling detective who stumbled from one disaster to another while chasing a terrorist out to detonate a weapon that would turn everyone blue, for some reason. When the shelter's lights had flashed blue, Earthquake positions! The two Terrans in the amplifier had yelled. Seconds later, the ground had rumbled for long seconds, dust had shivered down from the ceiling, and lights flickered, but didn't go out. Everyone to your designated safety area, the intercom had warned. Mike had hidden in the safety area, wondering if the bumbling detective had ever stopped the terrorists from turning blue all of the Terrans in the city of Tamagotchi. There'd been a sudden explosion, then the sounds of weapons fire. Then horror had come. Machines, cold, cruel, strange, unfinished shapes, grabbing people and dragging them away. The humans, which Mikan had been careful to avoid with how fierce they look, had immediately responded with violence. Then, it got even stranger. He'd been hurrying elderly beings to the inner spaces of the shelter, away from the walls. When a machine had come down the corridor, it advanced upon Mikan, cracking its pinches, Eyes on the ends of tentacles, grinding forward and tracks with wheels in the front. Mike had got to push himself between the old ones and the machine when two elderly males stepped in front of him, their backs straight, lifting their lips in defiance, staring at the machine, which clacked eagerly and clattered towards them. A human had come running down the hallway, a table leg in her hand, dodging through the crowd of old ones, shoving past Mike and leaping between the two elderly gentlemen. She'd started beating on it, growling, spinning, snarling, biting off curse words in a dozen different languages as she fought. Three more robots had joined the fight. Two were a dozen multi-joint legs, clattering rapidly forward, whipping tentacles around. The last was flying, a grav unit buzzing and smoking, pinches, claws, graspers, and tentacles all reaching for the Terran. Mikan had slowly backed up as the old ones moved down the hallway. Lightning was crackling across the human as she fought, wreathing the table leg that she swung in one hand, her other hand used to parry and slap aside tentacles and graspers. The floating unit she grabbed by one tentacle and swung it around to smash into the others. 
When the last robot had fallen, she turned around, staggering towards the group, which was waiting for the innovator. She took a dozen steps. The front of her adaptive camouflage ripped away, blood leaking from a deep puncture in between her exposed memories. Her blood bubble grew in her mouth. Her eyes rolled back, her motions were disjointed, and the bubble popped, spraying her face with misted droplets, and she collapsed. The two elderly males ran up, grabbing her arms and pulling. Leave her! She's dead! Wykin said. No! We will not leave her for the metal ones, one of the elderly men said. They taught us in the sword hoof not to leave a warrior behind. The other coughing. They dragged her into the elevator, and Mikan looked down at her. The wound wasn't as bloody as he had thought, and the blood was already drying. As he watched, it hard, forming a thick scab, and Mikan shook his head. Too late, he thought to himself. There was a beeping sound from somewhere in the back of the human's head. Three long beeps followed by three short ones. Is she going to explode? One of the elderly beings asked as the cargo elevator shuddered upwards. It was repeated twice more, and everyone had backed up against the elevator sides. The Terran female suddenly jerked, then her back arced, and her arms grew straight and her back bent so far, only her heels and her head were touching the floor. She collapsed, and the gathered Mactanat all murmured to one another. She did it again. This time, when she collapsed, her leg jerked for a moment, her fingers twitched, and nothing. Then her fingers twitched again. Her hand clenched. She sat up, bending only at the waist and looking around, her eyes glittering and glowing a faint amber. It was the most chilling thing that Mike had ever seen. The way she had sat up just seemed wrong somehow. The Terran coughed, wiping her hand with a bare chest. Um, stab me right from the pump, she said. She got up, putting her hand on the wall. She blinked a few times. Wow. How are you still alive? An elderly female asked. I'm Terran, is all she said. She reached up and touched her thumb to her lower lip and extended fingers to her ear. They're pulling back. I should be straight run to the secure area, but I'll go with you. She coughed. Need to see the medics. Mike just shook his head. Terrans were weird. Above them, great engines came online. Not all of them, but out of the three rows, one of seven, one of nine, another of seven, only six total came online. But enough that the gin began to shudder. It lifted off, crumpled wreckage of buildings sliding off of it. It tilted slightly, making a straight line run in such a way that it would be able to use the curvature of the planet to avoid the weapons of the massive tanks behind it. More AWMs were coming in, all of them under heavy fire. But the Jin computed that the feral firing systems wouldn't prioritize a unit fleeing the planet. It reached the edge of the atmosphere as three more engines came online. One went back out, the other exploded, the ravaging energies biting a chunk 200 meters deep and destroying two, thankfully, non-functional engines. The Jin put on the speed the functional engines laboring outside a tolerance to pull the gin against the gravity. It had already run the computations, but it ran them again. The feral infection inside the hull was still resisting everything it could send at it. 
it was sticking to more narrow hallways and more confining maintenance spaces, and were able to destroy any other maintenance machines that could engage them. That left one way to deal with them. Just beyond the planet's magnetosphere, it activated its plan. Balgret was kneeling down, coughing, while the little green man had fixed his visor. A chunk of battle steel had scythed off an exploding precursor machine and hit him straight in the face. The visor had cracked in a spiderweb pattern, but it had saved Pulgrit's face. The interior reeked of ozone, burning lubricants, scorched metal. The machine had been vibrating for the last 20 minutes, had been sent attackers in one long, continuous wave for even longer. But there was finally a lull in the fighting. Dun dun dun, the little green mantid said. It handed Pulgrit the faceplate, and Pulgrit slapped it in place. Purging environmental, close eyes and mouth, appeared on a timer of three seconds. Pulgrit did so, and felt his suit flush the atmosphere out, then refin it. He inhaled gratefully the air clean, even if it did stink of sweat. Pulgrit opened his eyes and looked around. He couldn't believe that everyone was still alive. The lieutenant had lost a hand, but the mantid had frozen it and tucked it into the lieutenant's pack after sealing the stump. Colvert had broken an arm, but the mantid had pulled a chunk of endosteel out of Colvert's arm and used the pressurized sleeve inside the armor to stabilize the injury. Colvert's armor had given him a shot of painkiller, and the other mactinan weren't feeling any pain. Nanuft had taken a hard hit to the leg from a high-V round. It hadn't penetrated the armor but the kinetic gel had been destroyed and the nuff was walking with a lump. The muscles in his leg bruised up. Jagler was moving stiffly. 281 had turned up the pressure in his chest pressure sleeve to compensate for several broken ribs. All four mantids were fine. Balgrit didn't want to think about the human, who was down to one knee, one fist pressed against the ground, the other hand clenched and pressed against his forehead. Steaming, molten wall steel ran out of his mouth as he breathed. He's Terran. What, you've never seen one before? The vibration change pitched and the mantids all looked up. The human slowly stood up, like some kind of monster unfolding. Icons were flicking all over the heads of the smaller mantids. The two black ones scurried over, one to the lieutenant and one to Palgret. Get close, get close, three said. Bunch up tight. What's going on? Lieutenant asked. He was feeling a little nauseous from the painkiller and the residual pain in his hand. That's a hellcore charging, Dree said. Buzz, get over here. I'm deslushed. 281 jetted up, landing on Three's back. He opened the rear housing of the minigun, revealing the black orb. The little mantid stuck a blade arm directly into the slot of the orb. Big as you can make it, Three said. After a second, he looked over at the Terran, who had moved over to the side and was shaking his head. That's not big enough. You have to make a bigger buzz. No way, the human rumbled. Not, and be powerful enough to withstand it for them. For Lima 9 or 8, yeah. For Sword Hoof, no. Three looked at 030, who was touching the housing of the orb. Sir, we can't. Must, 030 said. Knew the risks when put on uniform. I'll be fine, Spanky, the Terran mumbled. Pulgrid watched as 030 and 281 pulled small, wet-looking devices out of an access point that had dilated open at the side of the orb. They tossed them to 2 and 3, who watched for an LED on the side to go green before setting them down on the ground or tossing them up to the ceiling. 
A weird, cyclic vibration was picking up strength. Get close! Two yelled. Cluster up like it's an orgy time in a nunnery. Holgrit pressed close to the side of Lieutenant and jostled over by three. Zero three zero. Let a small device in his hand and looked at the Terran. It'll be all right, sir, the Terran said. He smashed his hands together with a clang that sounded like two anvils colliding. I'll be all right. Zero three zero pressed the button. Everything got shimmier and Pulgrit shuffled, lifting his feet up from the tingling burning. When he set his feet down, he felt a weird slickness to it. Three! Two called out. Two! The Terran waved his bestial features contorting into a smile. One! Algrid's stomach flipped over, and he suddenly could taste the colors around him. His skin burned. It felt like red-hot talons digging into his brain. And for a second, it felt like his eyes were going to be plucked from his skull. Algrid screamed, vaguely aware that he wasn't the only one. It felt like someone was pulling him out of his own body with barbed hooks. More power! Three yelled, just as Green Mantid pulled the disc the size of Pulgrit's palm out of the opening and plugged a cable into it. The feeling went away, and everyone sagged against each other. There was a weird vibration in the air. Multicolored shapes flickered into existence and vanished. Shadows rippled and shifted in the dark spaces in the room. What happened? Lieutenant Mukuru asked. The Precursor just jumped out of the fight, Two said. What is that? Nanuf asked, pointing at what looked like a twisted creatures made up of shadows and strangely flickering prismatic energy. Two turned slowly, all joking gone from his stance. Hellspace. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.